You've tuned in to Supply Side Stories. The innovations, influencers, and breakthroughs defining the future of health and nutrition. Hello and welcome to another edition of Supply Side Stories. I'm Fran Schoenwetter, Director of Content Marketing at Informa Markets. In cooperation with Food, Beverage, Insider, and Supply Side Stories, Our podcast today is supported by Brookside Flavors, a leader in natural, organic flavors and ingredients. Brookside creates innovative flavors for products that satisfy consumer demand for healthier alternatives without compromising on taste. And joining us today are Greg Griffin, the Director of Technical Services, and Harvey Farber, VP Flavor R&D. On today's podcast, we'll be talking about Brookside's modulator technology and learning more about how this technology can be used for multiple applications and its benefits for product developers. And before we get started, I'd just like to tell you a little bit about our guests so you know who we're talking to. Greg Griffin holds a a Bachelor of Science in Chemistry and a Bachelor of Science in Biology. He's a flavor chemist an SQF-trained auditor, and has been with Brookside for 11 years, working on flavor development and food safety. On top of all of that, he's a dad, a marathoner, and a martial arts practitioner. What a powerhouse. Thanks. (laughs) Uh, Harvey Farber today serves as Vice President of Flavor Research and Development at Brookside Flavors and Ingredients, specializing in flavor industry as a senior flavor chemist. A member of the Flavor Chemist Society, Harvey previously held executive positions at a number of esteemed organizations, including president of the Chemical Sources Association, and was a past member of the British Society of Flavorists. Welcome, Greg and Harvey. So let's begin. Um, I'm, I'm going to uh, ask you, Greg, first, uh, can you briefly des- uh, describe the impact of the flavor modulator generally? So I'm going to start with Fran. Thanks for that uh, lovely introduction. I love the uh, the martial arts shout out there. But um, so the modulator is kind of a cool thing we've been working on the last couple of years. People have been, I think, becoming more health conscious and label conscious with the products they're consuming. And so we're trying to come up with something that allows product developers to enhance taste. And that goes to sweetness, uh, mouthfeel and also kind of when the sweetness pronounces itself uh, to allow product developers to use less sugar and also maybe enhance some of the more desirable characteristics in their products that are either from um, salt, it could be from other flavors, it could be from natural extracts in there. So it has kind of a synergistic effect with other components, all while allowing somebody to maybe use less sugar. Well, what are some of the key differentiators at Brookside's flavor modulator technology? I know that flavor modulation is used in um, in other environments as well. So there are there are a few of them out there, um, and I'd say there are a lot of good ones out there too. I would say what makes ours stand out is its versatility. It's kind of a jack of all trades. So the way these sort of ingredients work. They're um, specific to the applications they work in, and it could be from baked goods, cereals, cheeses, to imitation dairy products, alcoholic beverage, you know, you kind of name it, there's a category. And a lot of them out there work really well in, uh, you know, a couple of these 
but we've actually found our modulator works well pretty much in all of them and that kind of is really empowering because it's something that you can have on your shelf and you don't have to worry about lining up the product number or memorizing you know what our sales guy told you this one was good for it seems to be versatile and goes into most things so it kind of take some of the thought process out of which one of these am I going to use. Well, can you give us an example of a flavor modulator and really how how it works, um, just for example, in a particular application or a particular type of product? So, I mean, I can, because a lot of these flavor modulators are considered intellectual property, but there's also a whole bunch out there that aren't considered intellectual property. So if I'm speaking in broad terms, I would say, uh, especially over the last couple of years, there's been a, a high intensity sweetener called monk fruit. And monk fruit is something that the FDA has outright classified as a high intensity sweetener, but it actually also meets the criteria for what a natural flavor is defined in, which means monk fruit, which is something that is very sweet, can also be used in a way that it's actually a modulator. And and like the really easy way of kind of portraying how that works is you actually really ratchet down the usage level well below its sweetness threshold. And that particular ingredient, even though it's not necessarily driving the predominant sweet characteristic of the product, it's still interacting with the taste receptors on your tongue that are triggering that taste phenomenon. And so it really is, in some instance, a threshold. And so you find that threshold where it's not predominantly doing one thing like sweet, but instead kind of eliciting a response of taste and allowing other things then to drive those sort of taste perceptions. So um, on a product label then, um, would the modulator be listed if it's in such small amounts? What are the criteria for product labeling with the modulator? So our modulator, unlike monk fruit, is only classified as a flavor. Um, it can only be used one way and it would go on the finished product label as a flavor. The caveat to that is finding the usage level where it isn't max, it, like the maximum usage level where it isn't functioning any other way. Because these are, you know, these are powerful products. If you use it at such a high level, it could have other impacts that really might show through to other functional capacities on the finished product, and it's not meant to be used that way. So it really should only be used as a flavor, and it really should only be labeled as a flavor. Are they always naturally derived flavors? So the ones that we produce are naturally derived. They're, it's, it's a very broad product line. So there are plenty of them out there that aren't natural, and... Um, the scope of what you can do when things aren't natural is a bit bigger because now you can use both synthetic components and natural components to kind of come up with this combined product. So they're out there, but we really tend to focus on the natural side of things, particularly because consumers are looking, I think, for more plant-based things. And our modulator is actually based around several key plant-based extracts that go into the process of manufacturing it. So your modulators would be compatible with products, well, with brands that are focusing on marketing products uh, with uh, with clean label. Well, what, they may not use clean label claims, but they're marketing to a consumer that's interested in clean label. Would that be would that be true? 
Yeah, no, I would consider this actually a pretty clean label. I mean, the ingredient statement in itself is pretty clean label because it's, you know, the diluents that people, you know, we have to tell people about. And that would be like the ethyl alcohol and like the uh, agave, which are basically like you think about, we call them carriers, but they're vessels that kind of deliver the active components to the, uh, the application. And then everything else is just natural flavor. So that's really clean label because the alcohol and agave aren't really going to roll through on the finished product label. Because right. they don't really have any functional effect to the finished product. Yeah, so those vessels, so to speak, are really part of the, really just part of the biochemistry for for making sure that you're appropriately delivering on the flavor. Um, so with all of those different vessels, we'll just call them that because you use that term. Um, what forms are the modulators? In what forms are they available uh, within formulation? So water-soluble liquid. Oh, oh Harvey? Yeah, I, I, I can come in a little bit on this. Um, yeah, yeah, take we, it away. We have it um, water-soluble. Um, we have it in dry form. Um, and uh, we're working on uh, some other methods as well. But uh, these uh, work very well uh, along with, um, as long as there's a small amount of sugar in there, it has a synergistic effect. Okay, so... Uh, right now, it's water, and we, we dry it as well. So the form that you make available really would depend upon the application, upon, upon the, the product itself, correct? Yes. I mean, if somebody's working on an al alcoholic beverage or they're working on uh, some sort of milk um, drink, such as a, a nut drink, which are very popular now, um, we will use a liquid flavor in there. But if it's a dry product of some sort, we will give them the uh, spray dried flavor. Well, how do you work with your customers to find the right solution? Um, you know, what kinds of what kinds of partner relationships well, we, do you have? We have, um, we have product like meetings. We'll, we'll use it on the phone. A lot of times we'll talk to a customer on the phone uh, or we can have a virtual meeting. But uh, most of the time we talk to our uh, salespeople and they've been pretty much clued in how these work and they will go out there and uh, talk to their customers and if they have any questions uh, from their customers that they can't answer they'll call Greg and myself and we will explain a little better depending on the products a lot of the products are quite different uh, for instance these uh, these uh, nut drinks uh, they have a certain amount of like milk sugars in there and that helps to uh, give the uh, enhancement that Greg was talking about. Ah, uh, yeah, including the the mouth feel as well. Just yes. the way that you're that just the way that you orally process a flavor. Yeah, well, it, it does lose the mouth feel a little bit because uh, sugar has a great mouth feel. But we're also in the future we're working on mouth feel uh, types of products as well. Do you produce prototype products? for any of your customers? Oh, absolutely. Uh, sometimes they'll send us a base and we'll work on the base in our laboratory. Um, and it's always better when we get the customer's base or we'll have to many times just go out into a supermarket and get some sort of plain base and check out the, uh, the modulator. But uh, when they send us the base, absolutely. We ask them questions about you know, um, how much sugar is in your product? How much sugar do you want reduced? And questions like that. And they're usually pretty good. And then we make a prototype. We write up a prototype formula for them. And along with the flavor, 
uh, we'll send the prototype. And sometimes, uh, depending on what the product is, uh, we'll actually put the modulator in and send it to them with the flavor in there. Sounds like a fun, fun science to me. <laughs> yeah, well, I know the ladies in the lab uh, like when we're working on ice cream. Uh, oh, yeah. That's the favorite, right, Greg? Oh, there's no question. Uh, yeah, when we're when we're churning out ice cream, it's a happy group of lab techs. Well, I'm happy to be a sampler if you ever need somebody <laughs> remotely. <laughs> what kind of new developments um, might we expect from Brookside coming in the near future? What we consider to be a strength about this product that we touched on earlier—that it's good in everything. Um, being a jack of all trades doesn't necessarily make it like great at one thing. And we're looking at coming up with really specific lines to do one thing if our customer ends up needing something that needs more mouthfeel. Um, one of the things that you'll notice when you get into, when you're talking about high intensity sweeteners and sugars is there's these things called sweetness peaks. And if you, a really simple thing you can do at home is take a sip of something that has sugar and notice when that sweetness really comes out. It's very early and it dissipates quickly and it's very pleasant. And then taste something that's artificially sweetened, say with stevia or aspartame, and you'll notice that it'll linger and the sweetness peak will come up later in there. And so sweetness itself isn't just a one experience. It's kind of a, a range of experiences depending on what's eliciting that sweet response on your tongue. So we're trying to develop modulators that might hit front, might hit middle, might hit end, depending on what the customer is looking for. Um, then there's the mouthfeel thing because taking out sugar does two things. Some, it takes out functionality because um, sugar can control water activity. You don't necessarily want to do that. And the other thing is bricks is really important to mouthfeel. So we're trying to come up with other modulators that maybe offset some of that mouthfeel loss you would get from a, a pretty dramatic reduction of sugar. Uh, the, what we else we like, we're pretty active members of FEMA. And so Harvey and I are always kind of looking at what new, um, extracts around the world are kind of becoming grass. Uh, Harvey, what was the, the fruit we were just talking about before the thing started, um, that actually could maybe have some modulator implications? I, what was that? Emulin? Something like oh, it, was, uh, it was the miracle berry, right? Yeah, the Miracle Berry, but it had this, yes. Dalmatin yes. in it, yeah. We were talking about the Miracle Berry and Dalmatin. And these are things that, you know, other people have, that have been around for a while. They're ingredients that people use, but they also might have a functional Wait, What's effect. the Miracle Berry? It's a, it's a fruit from what, South Africa, right, Harvey? The Miracle Berry is found, yes, I think in South Africa, yes. And it has... Like a lot of like these things that we we're talking about, like monk fruit, it just has like an inherent sweetness and it has, you'll like the name for it. Um, the functional component of it is a glycoprotein called miraculin. Um, <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, but miraculin is one of those things too. Now, um, you know, the FDA has a ruling on it where it's okay for some things and not others. But I guess the point is, and it's not saying that the miracle berry is the answer of the next thing we're going to roll out, but it's, these are the kind of conversations we have where especially with that healthy, natural, good for you, natural emphasis, we're always kind of looking at these new botanical extracts that we can roll in here that really helps push the company's identity, but also helps our product developers create things our customers want and they'll feel good, you know, taking them in. There's one other thing too. Uh, if you want to see a dramatic effect, um, use a mouthwash in the morning and then go over to the refrigerator afterwards and take some juice. And you'll see, you go, uh, 
the juice um, doesn't taste good at all because it's got a different um, part of the tongue uh, giving you the sweetness, and it somehow um, messes up the real sugar in there. So it, it's very interesting. Try that one time. That sounds like a good experiment to do yeah. at home, for sure. Yes, uh, yes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, the the way that we experience flavor is so much more subtle and intricate than most people realize. And even the idea of sweetness, sometimes it's not even something you perceive as sweet, but that sweetness factor is necessary for the full enjoyment and flavor of the product. So I really appreciate all of this detail. Is there anything else that you'd like to add before we close today? Um, for me, just because I had said there's a lot of these out there on the market, um, that if you're using somebody else's product, you're using ours, it, it, regardless, um, just make sure you're working closely with the, the supplier. One of the things that Brookside really prides ourselves on, I think Harvey elaborated with, you know, how do we help our customers find solutions, is we don't just ship you a sample and hope you figure it out. Um, we collaborate with you on maybe application issues you have. We are up on all the regulations. And some of the regulations, it's kind of a, a dynamic scenario right now. And so that when things change, you know, you don't have to wonder, is Brookside going to let me know? Uh, Harvey and I are going to be on the phone with you or one of the salespeople are going to be on the phone with you to give you the most up-to-date information and help you use these things so that everything you're doing is on the up and up and you're just making happy consumers. Just to go a little forward on that, um, if, if the customer will give us um, their base or tell us what base to use, this is how we test it out. And it's a lot easier to give them a, a suggested usage level in their product. Sometimes we just have, they just ask us to send the modulator out and they play around it with themselves. But this way uh, we can work with it. We love to have somebody's base. Well, I'm going to thank you both. Greg and Harvey. Yes, and thank you. Yes, you're welcome. And thank you all to our audience for listening and learning today. And please be sure to stay tuned for future episodes of Supply Side Stories. Thank you. You've been listening to an Informa Markets podcast. 